Okay, so this Fabrengen that we're learning, as every Fabrengen, has many components, and um, there's a mimer, there's this, there, there are sichas, and that also discusses current events. So uh, one of the things that was uh, a lot of people's minds at the time was this Fabrengen was in the summer of Tavshin Chavtes, 1969, uh, was the... Uh, was a question uh, that people had about um, the language we use in Kiddush Lavana about um, I cannot touch the moon. Since the people had reached the moon, so how could we say that I cannot touch the moon? It's, we say that in Kiddush Lavana. So people were confused about this, and the Rebbe didn't consider this to be a question at all, but instead he, uh, he, he pointed out uh, many... Uh, with it, the questioners asking this question are really um, really off. The question is really off question. Um, among other things, Deva said that the in the language of of uh, we say just like I cannot, I'm standing before you and I cannot touch you, so shall all of my enemies not touch me. So so Deva explained that the language of Kishavana is not saying it's impossible to touch the moon. It's just saying that. As I'm standing here on the ground, the way I'm standing here, that's, I can't touch you here. If I take a spaceship and, and fly up to you, of course I can touch you. But just like I'm, I'm standing over here, or language of Kishavana is, I am dancing before you. As customary to raise yourself off your feet when you say those words. Um, so, so, and I can't touch you here, so too, um, th- that, that's the way I'm standing here, that's wh- the way I cannot touch you. But... Doesn't mean that um, uh, it's impossible to touch the moon. Um, I'm just going to uh, briefly uh, try to recap the uh, Rebbe's language, and then we're going to go learn the mimer on this uh, on, on, on that Rebbe gave this for bringing. Uh Everything in Torah is exact, as we see in the Rashi that we're learning, in the Tanya that we're learning, that Rebbe quoted in this Fabrengen. Uh, we could also learn from the language of the Torah. Ah, masmachter. We could also learn regarding the uh, w- the inyanim, the inyanim in the world, not just inyanim in Torah. Uh, that uh, everything in the world comes from Torah. We could also learn the preciseness in the world because the world comes from the Torah. Rabbi Shuman Hananya learned the time that of the gestation of a snake from the Torah. Savid Achsuna learned uh, who they learned the same they tried to figure out the, the, gest, the gestation period of a snake and they tried to learn from nature and they made mistakes. But from Torah they got the right answer of uh, only from Torah could they get the right answer of the gestation period of the snake. So only from Torah can you get the right answer regarding what's going on in the world. But you have to work hard in Torah. And when you work hard in Torah the way you're supposed to, then you can find everything from the Torah itself. As the Gemara Yushalmi says, There's nothing empty from you. There, the Gemara Yushalmi explains, if you find something empty in the Torah, if the Torah feels empty to, empty to you, it's because of you. It's not the Torah is empty. If you find something empty in Torah, it's because you're not working hard in the Torah. If you work hard in the Torah, you wouldn't, the Torah wouldn't feel empty. Uh, this idea of making an effort in Torah. So Torah says if you make effort, you're successful always. 
If someone says I was, I tried and I was successful, um, then you could try, then you could believe them. If someone says I tried it, it wasn't successful. You don't believe them because if you make an effort, you're going to be successful. So this truth that when you try and you're successful, uh, that should also that's also relevant to other wisdoms like the wisdom of medicine. And there's halachic uh, ramifications about this. The Torah relies on a doctor even a non-Jewish doctor, regarding the laws of Shabbos, regarding the laws of Yom Kippur, but only if you got, the guy actually worked hard to understand medicine. Then, then his opinion matters. So just like when you study hard in Torah, that makes you successful in Torah, so too regarding wisdoms of the world. Debra said that I once heard a, uh, about someone who was in Lubavitch, and he heard that the Tzemach Tzedek would heal people by giving him, by giving them his matzah, or his wine of kiddush, his wine of, of Abdullah. he would heal people by giving them matzah. By the way, um, the Rebbe would tell Doctor Zelikson, if I remember correctly, to mix in his medicine from the Rebbe's wine, or from matzah. I don't remember something from the Rebbe. Similar thing the Rebbe did also with Doctor Zelikson. Doctor Bresma is wishing that he could do something like that. Anyways, so. So this guy, he heard, this guy was, he was a, uh, uh, he was in Lubavitch, and he heard that Tzemach Tzedek used to give people matzah and wine to help them get better from their illness. He did the same thing. He started giving out his matzah and his wine. And, uh, and the Tzemach Tzedek sent a message to tell him that he shouldn't mix into his, uh, <laughs> his Baal Batish guy. He shouldn't, he shouldn't try to encroach on the Tzemach Tzedek's, uh, you know, position. Uh, and he should continue using um, people, using medicine. He shouldn't, he shouldn't use uh, matzahs. Because um, the role of a doctor is to use medicine, not to use matzah. He, used to, he has to heal people according to his wisdom. So, yeah, that some could do that, but that's his... He, he has some ascetic has his role, the doctor has their role, and they shouldn't mix roles. Sometimes, even according to Torah, you have to make an effort... Sometimes the Torah tells us to make an effort to um, to figure out things in the world, even though everything comes from Torah. But sometimes the Torah says that you have to specifically look, look in the world and figure things out. Like the Gemara says about Rabbi Shimon Chalafta that uh, he worked very hard to figure out the nature of every animal to know the laws of Trephus, because an animal which is going which is sick and can't survive a year is not kosher. So you have to really work hard to figure out um, the the status of various animals. And so, to the Gemara says about Rav, he says, eight for eighteen months, I uh, stayed by a shepherd to know uh, which, regarding the laws of a, of a bechor, firstborn animal, the the koyin is um, the firstborn animal belongs to a koyin and has to be offered as a sacrifice, but only if the animal does not have a blemish. And there are different kinds of blemishes. Once some blemishes, they they uh, the animal can be healed from them. Some animals. Some, some kinds of, uh, of, of defects that happen to an animal, they can never be reversed. And so that, that, that has importance regarding figuring out whether the animal still has to be offered as a sacrifice or it can be eaten by, um, by, by the coin without being offered as a sacrifice. So, uh, so there are, um, so Rav said here, he spent 18 months hanging out with his shepherd to figure out what the halachas are. 
But there are simple things, Rebbe says, that are you able to understand without any effort. And uh, like, like the, the, the Rebbe says, that, like, the thing that people are so in, interested in, they're tumbling about lately, that the fact that people got to the moon and came back. First of all, Rebbe says we have to learn a lesson from this. Because uh, even the... Um, even the astronauts themselves, who also learned lessons from this. So if they learned the lesson, how much more so should we? Um, like one of the astronauts said, when they came to the moon, they said these words. That, that uh, one of the astronauts said, in, he, he, to express his great excitement, uh, by saying the, the, the verse of the first Pasuk in the Torah, God created heaven and earth. So if one of the astronauts expressed his great excitement, how much more so should we learn something from uh, their visit to the moon? As the Baal Shem Tov says, that everything you see or hear, even you hear it from someone who's not Jewish, is a message for you in the service of Hashem. And that's something which is true, not just from the Baal Shem Tov, from Chassidus, that we know this from Chassidus, but it's also true according to the revealed parts of Torah as well. As it says in the end of Chakta Kedushin, I was only created to serve my master. Oh, Mashkech Abesif. The coffee has arrived, for those who like some coffee. Uh, it says in Gemara and Shabbos, everything that God made in His world has purpose. Nothing that God made for no reason. So, so if I was created to serve my Master, and everything was created for God's glory, there must then, that means that everything God made has something that could, that could use to serve Hashem with. So, so all these things that they saw on the moon, you could see the greatness of Hashem, as it says in the pasuk. Uh, I, when I look at the sky and I look at the moon and the stars that you made, that, that gives me a feeling of your greatness. So after a human being reached such a, a great achievements, he, that may give him a, a feeling of, of arrogance because he might feel, oh, look how great I am. But the truth is that not only did this not cause arrogance, but on the contrary, the, 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 the astronauts felt the greatness of Hashem and they came to the conclusion that they have to think about the lowliness of man. As the Pasuk says, uh, how, what is man that I shall mention him? What is a person that, I, that, that he should be remembered? And the, that, that's the beginning of the Pasuk, which says, when I see the greatness, uh, when I see Hashem's greatness. So, um, hashtag baby Haraton just got a name. Okay, Baruch Hashem. I don't know, I didn't hear, do you? <laughs> okay, so, so, there was also now there's also confusion so so there is something that was accomplished by the visit of the moon and made these people feel the greatness of Hashem didn't give them arrogance on the contrary um, so looking at the moon and the star and the stars and the sky it it, it it gave people a sense of Hashem's greatness but but Deb is now addresses this confusion that was caused as a result as a result of the visit of the moon there are some people that thought that we should change the language. In the Kiddush Havana, the words that we say, I can touch the moon. So Abba says, first of all, the, the language of the Siddur was set by those who are uh, knowledgeable. Those who you could, people you could rely on, Bari Samcha. This Nusach, this specific language of Kiddush Havana is brought in the tour, in Mesechta Seferim. And it says over there that you should raise your body up several times. You can say Kiddush Havana and say, just like I cannot touch you, so, so, so too should my enemies not touch me. So 
dancing in front of the Levana, dancing in front of the moon, or raising your body up, is not something which is just Kabbalistic, or it's something which is which we know from Nigla, from, from the revealed parts of Torah. Uh, like the Ran says that when a prophet gave prophecy, he had to like connect it with a, with a physical thing. So, so too, in order, to, so in order to bring the prophecy down, the prophet had to sometimes do something physical. And he had to say the words of the prophecy, or he had to, uh, various stories in Tanakh where, where Nevi'im, where prophets would, uh, would, ha- would Hashem would tell not just to, 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 to say the prophecy, but to pick up sticks and, and to put them together. Uh, 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 there were things that were done in the physical world. To make the prophecy happen in a quick way, there had to be some kind of physical expression. So too, when, uh, when, you, when you want to accomplish that your enemies should not touch you, what do we do? We connect this with a physical movement that we actually raise our bodies up. The Lavush adds, the reason we specifically um, dance, we don't just pick our fingers up. If you want to say, I can't touch you, we really pick your finger up. So just like I finger, pick my finger up, and I can't touch you, so, so too my enemies should not touch me. Why do we have to raise our bodies up and, and, and dance, so to speak? So the, the Lavush says it's a sign of joy. As we see that there are many levels of joy. Regular joy is only expressed in, in your words. A greater joy is expressed by clapping your hands. Even greater joy is expressed in dancing. So that, that means that the joy is so great that it permeates the body to the extent that, that, that the that the um, that it not only does a joy permeate the place where of your intelligence of your mind, but it reaches your feet, the place where intelligence, where there's the least lo- the feet have. The least sensitivity, the least measure of intelligence, intelligence in the body, and the joy, when the joy is very great, it reaches even the feet of a person that he that causes them to dance, and therefore the Rebbe says he should be careful not to change the language of Kishavana, not even a change which doesn't affect the actual uh, substance of it, because the number of words we have in Kishavana is, is exact, like the Torah says that they would count all the words and letters of the prayers. And he speaks about Shemana Esrei, but the same is true for every field, that every word is exact. There's a certain number of words and letters in every tefillah. So, um, but trying to figure out the meaning of the word, that's something which, which is, the Torah says that his brother would do that, and, and great Torah scholars. So, guarding our subject over here, when, when you ask a five-year-old, what does it mean when you say the words, just like I'm dancing in front of you, so too can I not touch you? What do those words mean? The five-year-old will tell you that means that while I'm standing, while this Jewish man is standing, this old man is standing, and he's dancing in front of the moon, that's where he can't touch him. doesn't mean that the moon can't be touched. And nevertheless, specifically someone who uh, doesn't even know the simple translation of those words has gotten up, and decided he needs to change the language of the davening. And this is despite the fact that he is in a place um, it, where he needs a special bracha of Hashem that his enemies shouldn't touch him. In other words, a person who made the statement was in Israel who needs God's special protection, and he wants to change the words of Kiddush Shavana where, where we ask Hashem to protect us from our enemies. It's not a good idea. Practically, we should keep the language of Kiddush Shavana precisely, not to add any new prayers, not to change the language that was established through, through the sages of Israel. And then we could be certain the power, that, the, uh, that our enemies will not be able to touch us, especially in Israel, where, guys, where God's eyes are upon the land from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. And uh, at this Fabrengen, 
there were a few uh, boys who were at the Fabrengan that were in a fire. And uh, uh, yeah, one of the, it doesn't say their names, but uh, Levitin from Seattle and a couple of those guys who were there in the fire. So Ebbe said they should say Lechaim. And the Ebbe said, just like it says about the Beis Amigdash, that Hashem destroyed the Beis Amigdash with, with fire. So to Hashem will rebuild the Beis Amigdash with fire. And the Rebbe, so, so that they told him to say Lechaim. And then he said, <clears throat> when the Friedrich Rebbe had a high fever, that the Ragachavar Goyen said that in order to, before a person becomes a, a leader of the Jewish people, he has to become a new entity. So the Raghav so, uh, so, so the said about the Friedrich Rebbe, about his fever, that since he's becoming a new entity, he's becoming a leader of the Jewish people, he has to, he, he has to immerse himself in fire. And the Raghav Goyen had a proof from Goyen Yerushalmi uh, that, 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 that this is what, why the Friedrich was having this, this, this fever. So the Rebbe said, I never heard this from my, from my father-in-law, but that's what the story people were saying in Petersburg at the time. So therefore, these students who were in this fire should also become a new entity, and they have to learn Nigel and Chassidus. And it's known also that after fire you get rich and should be in an open and clear way. As it says in the Pasuk, with fire you will rebuild the Beis Amigdash. As it says in the Pasuk, Hashem says, I will, be a, I will be a wall of fire outside of Jerusalem. Okay, that was, that was the conclusion of that segment of the Febrengen. Uh, where that was addressing the, uh, the visit to the moon and the, uh, and the uh, what's it called? And the... Um, in the language of Kiddush Havana. Um, I want to at least begin the mimer today. Oh, sorry, okay, we have another five minutes. And any questions before we go on, Dr. Bressman? Yes. You have no questions? Anything's good? No, I think All right. Got to work hard, Ever says. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, let's go on to the mimer. The mimer is on the Pasuk, Hashem builds Jerusalem. And Hashem gathers the dispersed of Israel. Hashem heals those who are brokenhearted. Says, says a mimer of the Rebbe Marash that was said a hundred years before the Rebbe gave this for Rengen, in Tafesh Choftes. We need to understand what's the meaning of the Pasuk. It says, the Pasuk puts together several things which don't seem to be connected. It says Hashem heals brokenhearted people. And then uh, it says Hashem, right before that, it says Hashem builds Jerusalem. What's the connection of healing the brokenhearted people and building Jerusalem? So the Reb Marash quotes in the Mimer from the Yalkot of Yirmiya. The Yalkot of Yirmiya explains that the reason why Hashem caused the Beis Medish to be destroyed in the, in the month of Av, says the, the, the Medish, the famous words, why did the lion destroy the lion in the month of the lion? It's in order that the lion should rebuild the lion in the month of the lion. The lion refers to Nebuchadnezzar. And the Beis Hamidosh is also called the lion. And the sign of this month is the sign of the lion. So why did the lion destroy the lion in the month of the lion? It's in order that Hashem was also called the lion. Should rebuild the Beis Hamidosh, should rebuild the lion in the month of the lion, in the month of Av. So, so the Mevrash quotes this, this, this teaching. And he says that not only does it refer to Besamish in general, it refers to the Mizbeach specifically. Besamish is called Ariel. The Mizbeach is called Ariel. Because of the fire that came from heaven that was in the shape of a lion that consumed the sacrifices. So, uh, so, so the Mirab says that this is happening in the month of Av 
this destruction of Beis Hamikdash happening in the month of Av, in order that the the mourning should be transformed to joy, and Hashem should build rebuild Yerushalayim and gather those who are dispersed and all over the world back into Israel. So why does the Marash bring the words of the of the Yalkut? Why is it relevant to the Maimer? That's the Rebbe's question. So to understand this, um, we have to explain what the meaning of this Pasuk is. What is this Pasuk saying? The Pasuk is saying that the Geula will happen. The Pasuk is talking about the future, the coming of Mashiach. What's the main focus of the building of, uh, of the redemption? The main focus is the building of Jerusalem. Because the whole idea of the destruction, as, it's, we, as, was, as, as, as we say in our prayers, because of our sins we were exiled from our land, because we weren't at the right level of fear of Hashem, although we were missing the love of Hashem too, but the destruction was specifically because, not because of lack of love, rather it was because of a lack of our reverence for Hashem. So so to the Geula, which is a, which the rectification of the destruction, is by serving Hashem perfectly in the area of fear of Hashem. And that's the reason why the main Geula is associated with the rebuilding of Jerusalem, because what's Jerusalem mean? The word Jerusalem in Hebrew means Yira Sholem, perfect fear of God. Sholem is Hayira. So, building Jerusalem refers specifically to building the base Hamikdash. This pasuk, which says "Bein Yishlaim God builds Jerusalem, it's referring mainly to the rebuilding of the base Hamikdash, as the Yalkut says "Ve'yivnariel Bein Yishlaim So that means there's something about building the base Hamikdash which is associated specifically with the greatest level of fear of Hashem. So, what does this mean? It says in a pasuk. There will be a greater glory in the last house than the glory of the first house, which means there'll be a greater glory in the. There are different meanings of, the, of this verse. One of them is that the second base of English will be greater than the first base of English. Another meaning of this verse is that the third base of English will be greater than both the first and the second base of English. So the source of the first and second base of English are the two letters, two Hays in Hashem's name. The first base Hamikdash comes from the first Hey of Hashem's name, the level of Bina, the level of understanding. The second base Hamikdash comes from the lower Hey of Hashem's name, the uh, level of Malchus. So the revelation of godliness, which was in the first base Hamikdash, was through the unity of Chachma and Bina of Yud and Hey, and the revelation of godliness in the second base Hamikdash was because of the unity of the Vav and they have the Midas of Hashem and the Malchus. So in our service of Hashem, there is a service of Hashem which parallels to these two kinds of revelation. They're serving Hashem with your mind, serving Hashem with understanding the greatness of Hashem, you're using your own Yud and Hey, using your own Chachma and Bina. And then there is practically serving Hashem in your speech, in your words, in your action, and just showing up. That's serving Hashem in the lower, lower Hey, the Vavke. So there are also two kinds of reward. There's the higher level of Gan Eden and the lower level of Gan Eden. They also correspond to Bina and Malchus, the higher Hay and the lower Hay. So by there being something that was missing in our service of Hashem in the lower Hay, which means our practical observance of Torah and mitzvahs, that's what caused the destruction of the second base of Middash. And, and because of our lack of service of Hashem in our understanding of God's greatness, that is associated with the, 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 the loss of the first base of the loss of the revelation of, of Meichim. Okay, so um, 
although it seems that the second base of Migdash is lower than the first base of Migdash, as it says in the, in the, in the Gemara that there are five things that Jewish people on the first base of Migdash, they not have the second. But there's an advantage sec- second base of Migdash has. As the Gemara says, that the second base of Migdash is greater. It was greater both, it lasted longer, it was physically, it was, physically uh, uh, it was more space there, it was larger. So why is it greater? Why is it considered better? If it had less light in it, what was considered better about it? The answer is, there's a rule the Gemara says, a person would rather have one measure of their own, of whatever it may be, than nine measures of someone else. Although you only have one hundred dollars, let's say, but you rather have a hundred dollars of yourself than get nine hundred dollars someone else gives you. You want what you got from your, by your own efforts. And although this is not something which is logical, it's it's uh, it's because the reason this this is is just because of your efforts. Not because, it's, it's, if you measured it, this isn't one hundred. This is nine hundred. So it's not the reason you like the one hundred better is just because of your own efforts. So too regarding the two temples. The first temple was in time of Shem Amalek. When time of Shem Amalek, it says that Shem Amalek sat in the, on the throne of Hashem. That there was it was similar to the time of the future, the coming of Mashiach, and the only deficiency was that it didn't last. And the revelation was incredible. And the Jewish people were, were serving Hashem in a way of tzaddikim. The second base of Mikdash, after the first temple was destroyed, they were serving Hashem in a way of tshuva, which is like a benini, which has to contend with the evil, has to fight with it every day. And he knows tomorrow, it'll have to fight with it too. And he knows that his whole life he may have to fight with, it, with evil. So the advantage of a tshuva service of Hashem is he has to, he's using his own efforts to make it. And, uh, and, and that's the, the advantage of the second base of Migdash that comes through our own efforts. And we'll see uh, more tomorrow about them. But in short, what we learned today is, in this Mimer, is that the building of Jerusalem, the gathering of Israel, is somehow associated with a Pasuk, Hashem heals the book Brokenhearted. We didn't explain why. And we explained the significance of both the first and the second temple and what the spiritual... Uh, meaning of Yerushalayim is it's, it's, it's the idea of full fear of Hashem, full reverence for Hashem. And when that was missing, that caused the destruction of the first and second temple. Respectively, there's two ways of expressing our reverence for Hashem, both in our practical observance of Torah, which is Vavke, the second temple, and there is the service of Hashem with our understanding, which is associated with the first temple. And there's Hashem, we will see tomorrow uh, the connection to the Pasuk. Laka